Hello everyone and welcome to the latest episode of Dairy Pod with me, Rory McDonald. On this episode, I chat to South Gibson dairy farmer, vet and consultant Andrew Perry about heifer rearing and his thoughts on the importance of managing young stock properly to maximise profitability. To start with, I asked Andrew to provide a bit of detail on his own farm and the system that he operates. Yeah, we've, we bought our farm in 2015. We're down on the Conwack Flats, so it's a pretty much a swamp we farm on. It's a, it's a, it's a very wet farm. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we're milking 300 cows there. We started with 180 back in uh, 2015 and, and have grown from there. Yeah, and it's a spring calving seasonal herd single calving is that's what the approach that's Pre- the type of herd pre- you pretty much yeah we uh you have a few th- autumns we have well uh, we have 20 autumns out of 300 so yeah. people generally say to me when i tell them that what's the point in that and uh sometimes what, i what do you say I, that? I, sometimes i wonder the same thing but the reason we do that is we when we started we bought a handful of autumns and they've basically just stayed in the system and it works quite well because we carve our heifers down a um we we can't carve our, our milking herd down until the second week week of August because it's just too wet to carry okay. the cows and carve any sooner so we wait till the second week of August and then we try and carve them as quickly as possible so we have as many days as possible eating green feed as possible for, before everything And you have your heifers a, a week or so or 10 days ahead yeah, of the Yeah we pull the heifers uh, about 10 days before the herd and we actually bring them home, and rightly or wrongly, we, we run them with the milking herd before calving. And, and having those 20 autumn carvers and and a few late carvers and carrying carryovers, carryovers um, then we've just got a small number that, that puts milk into the vat, which means we don't shut down the dairy to bring a bit of cash in. And then once the milking herd comes in, yeah. any empties we and I we suppose sell there's a benefit from having those you know experienced cows to maybe mixed in with the heifers in the first week of well that's of that's that's right that's right yeah. and uh, yeah so so that's basically what we do rightly or wrong yeah yeah no and, and the heifers too they they because they're just a little bit lighter than the cows they tend not to wreck the farm over winter yeah yeah so you have that extra little bit of less pressure on the on you know pogging and damage or we whatever. We don't we don't tend to get the pugging and we build up our cover. Whereas we if we put our calving date forwards any further, we just have mud to yeah. mud to deal with in spring. And your your a big focus on your farm I know is matching calving pattern and and pasture growth. Yeah, I mean for us, we are it's fair to say that we've we've got quite a lot of debt and. Uh, for us, the most expensive part of our operation is the land. Yep. We try to utilise that land as best as possible by growing as much grass as, as what we can and trying to convert as much of that grass into milk as what we can. Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's one of the, the principles of good pasture-based dairying, I guess. Um, and I suppose getting more, a bit more specifically onto heifers then, um, Andrew, I know you've, you've done a bit of work as a consultant and a vet too on on um on other aspects of uh, of farm management like transition cow management and all these things kind of come together to make a a profitable farm but you particularly uh, feel that heifer rearing and heifer development is is a really important part of of your system yeah well i i think when it comes to heifer rearing 
it's it's a big outlay of time and investment of money. So uh, the uh, but I think one of the com- non-compromisables is that they need to enter the herd grown as well as you possibly can because yep. we we know from from all those in calf data sets that have been done initially in the 90s and then then later around 2011 or whenever the follow-up one was that that uh heifers that aren't well grown they just they just don't last in the system yeah yeah, yeah. So there's no and point they're probably spending don't, that money don't go on calf as easily either and they end up well, slipping maybe later in the calving pattern well you know rory it doesn't matter what animal species you're talking about once an animal goes through puberty the younger the animal is the more fertile she is and and her fertility yeah. declines over age but when we look at those in calf data sets <laughs> that that bucks that trend the uh, our first lactation animals in the national herd they're actually an at risk group for not getting in calf yeah that's at, interesting and there's obviously another reason there and it's not because of an an inherent it's poor not, fertility at that age no exactly right i mean largely one of the 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 biggest reason is they're entering the herd and they're not well enough grown yeah, yeah. transition cow management of heifers also has something to do with it but by and large it's because in the national herd, heifers are entering the, 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 the milking herds and they're just not well enough grown. Yeah, and I suppose it's important to acknowledge that on many farms, um, you know, sometimes the heifers aren't the the, or the rising ones or the rising twos. They mightn't be the most high-priority group of animals on the farm if, if things start getting a bit tight and, and, um, and you know, some cows and there's a bit of shortage of feed. But, but it, it would be really kind of, you know, fool's goal to just be saving a bit of money on those you know, at that time, because you are going to pay for it in the long run if you compromise on, on the growth and those animals, you know. Yeah, I think from my time as an advisor, I think I, I well, I really admire those farms that are able to, to see a tight spot coming and are able to, to do something about it without going overboard before they're, before they're hit yeah. with. Yeah, and it sometimes takes a bit of discipline to maintain, you know, in in a a drought situation or a tight feed situation or or finance. Or even summer in South Gippsland. Yeah, yeah, to to not compromise on those those heifers and say, well, you know, I'm going to, the current diet isn't quite offering enough AME, so I'm going to top it up with a little bit of, might be a bit of grain or it might be something else. uh, um, or heifer developer or whatever, if if you feel that you're tight tightening up those animals at, you know, eight months or 12 months or whatever age they are 15 months in that bracket whereas it's easy just to forget about them and say give them a bit of hay they'll be all right you know they'll pick it up again Um, but but usually you pay for that approach well the consequence of that is you have to end up rearing more heifers because you need a higher replacement rate because animals aren't lasting in your milking herd yeah yeah and i suppose we could go on to that a little bit too in getting specific first of all on some details of of target weights for heifers. Well, one of the most important targets I would feel is that, you know, in, in a system like yourselves, like your own farm, that every heifer is calves down at 24 months or so or within within a month or 23, 24, 25 months of age. Would, would that be a big focus on your farm? Well, yes, I think even a little bit younger, if that's possible, yep. so that the biggest drive of fertility is is when a cow or heifer actually calves. So so the more time she's got between calving date 
and joining day yeah. in a seasonal herd. The more but likely she is to Absolutely. Yeah. Nothing has a bigger determinant on yeah. whether So on your farm, for example, where calving starts on, did you say the 3rd of August? Or? Uh, about the 9th of August 9th of this August. year. So a, uh, an animal that has a calf in that first week, say, is much more likely statistically to be in the herd the following year than one who is calving in... I don't know, first week of September or middle of September or whatever, It's the six or eight th- weeks later. That, that's the biggest determinant of whether or not she's going to get back in. Or the bigger, the, have the biggest uh, influence on whether, whether yeah. or not she's going to get back yeah, in yeah, calf. Yeah. And for that reason, we will carve our heifers down at the end of July. Yeah, yeah. So so at least at the start of their lifetime in the herd, they're starting at the front of the of the calving pattern, not, e- not exactly at the back. Right. Yeah. Um, in terms of, Rearing heifers in, in terms of targets, um, 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 Andrew, there's lots of good data out there on uh, heifers on target from Dairy Australia and other sources, and, and there's been plenty of work done on, on target weights for heifers, but despite that, as you said, there is probably a lot of improvement that could be made in, in the industry. But um, something that you, you mentioned earlier I thought was good was the, the 30-60-90 rule as a general rule of thumb. Do you want to elaborate on that? Yeah, the... Uh I uh, I had a I had a friend run by me the thirty sixty ninety rule the other day and it, it's actually in the in calf book too, but uh, it's nice and easy to remember. Thirty percent of mature cow body weight at six months, sixty percent of mature cow body weight at, at fifteen months or joining time, and they ninety uh, percent of mature cow body weight when when they enter the herd. Yeah, yeah. So if we say you know, if these are using rough numbers, and I'm doing these calculations in my head. But a 600 cow, 600 kilo mature cow, you know, 30 percent of that is probably, you know, 180 kilos. So 180 kilos at 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 six months mm-hmm. uh, is a, is a target weight. And then at um, you're saying at for the, for that animal uh, at joining, which typically might be 13 months of age, um, you're looking for 60 percent. So that's going to be uh, 360, 350, 360 kilos yep. range, and then you're getting to 90 percent at the two at the at the two year old stage, just yep. at the point of calving. That's it. And you know, I think if if you can achieve that uh, on your farm, and h- how important is actually monitoring that and actually weighing your heifers to to achieve that? Ah, oh, look, um, it's a great thing to do, but you it's another job, I suppose. You you kind of caught me out here because I I'd like to do it, but I actually don't at the moment. I should, but I yeah. I don't. But you know, if 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 you are at joining time finding that you're getting a lot of non-cycling cows, and and a lot of those non-cycling cows are first lactation animals. If they're over overrepresented as first yeah. lactation animals. There's two things you need to look at. The first and foremost is they're probably not well enough grown. Yep. The second is that uh, uh, you probably want to have a look at their transition cow management, management. transition yeah. cow feeding in, in yeah. that period three weeks prior to calving. Exactly. Um, and that's probably another issue that we won't go into much detail on the transition cow management because there's been quite a bit of work done on that. Um, but I suppose another th- factor that on, on your own farm, say that 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 drives your kind of approach to heifer rearing is is um are you growing your herd how many heifers do you actually need H- how do you decide how many heifers you keep on on your own farm say for example in a steady state environment where you're not really moving your herd yeah. size up or down yeah well now we've got our herd the last couple of years we've got uh we've actually grown our herd 
over the last 12 months. Uh, we didn't intend to, but with the the milk price this year, we've decided to milk a few extras with a bit of carryover silage from last year. Yep. But we uh, we think that the ideal replacement rate for us is is about 20 percent yeah which is a bit lower than a lot of herds yeah you, you do here and it's an interesting topic of debate because some people would have you know we, we've just been at a group earlier where some people advocated a little higher 25 26 um i suppose you could argue you know wh- wh- what's the reasons why you feel that you've settled on 20 as the ideal rate for you because a couple of percentage points can make a big difference here yeah well that's replacement rate but that's replacement replacement rate. That's not necessarily the number of heifers I rear isn't necessarily the same as replacement rate. Yeah. Um, you never know exactly what your joining result is going to be at joining time. Of course, yeah. And yeah, then you can unforeseen circumstances. Can that's right. Stuff e- that up. Yeah. Even a preg test, you get so many AI pregnancies, you don't exactly know how many of those are going to result in heifer calves too. Yeah. I think the absolute fundamental is. You, you cannot afford to rear too few heifers so that you end up with milking too fewer animals than than, yeah. than what you you'd have to look at carry. other options in whether that's that's bringing in uh heifers from outside of the herd but for some farmers they don't want they want to avoid that approach i guess or you end up with a herd full of veggies that uh, yeah. should be cowed so, yeah um, keeping cows that should have been culled that's another another way of which we don't probably want to advocate too much but probably does happen quite a bit on certainly on growing herds as well yeah. i imagine so something that might be related to um the replacement rate that you use for your heifers andrew would be the age structure of your overall herd so um i guess if you have 20 percent replacement rate you know every year for five years that it means that an average cow lasts about five years in the lactation which would be considered pretty good by industry standards uh, for a cow to last five lactations in your herd um, wh- what's the uh, ideal age structure that you like to see in your herd and what wh- what would you feel what would you what would you thought to be on that in my particular herd as long as they're staying healthy as long as I'm not getting too much metabolic disease as long as my uh, my my cell counts consistently in premium and I'm not getting too many mastitis cases the longer they last, the better. Yeah. I mean, I there's the, less depreciation on the cut ex- Exactly. The fact of the matter is, I would estimate it's going to cost me around seventeen hundred dollars to get a heifer into my herd. Yeah, as, a, as a rough estimation. And that's an interesting t- debate because I know there's several different sources would would have you know varying kind of estimates as to what it costs to bring a heifer from the day she's born in your herd and your farm until the day she actually gives you milk back two years later as, mm. a, as a first calver and you, you see some figures of well over two thousand dollars tossed around that might be incorporating labor and some other yeah, opportunity ma- costs but maybe i'm underestimating yeah. that too i, yeah. I easily I, could it be. is possible possibly get cheaper even at 1700 that's a significant investment like, you know. well it is when you look at my cow cow sales average about eight hundred dollars a cow yeah so there you're losing money then in that gap then it's 900 for a few non, years. each cow i sell is 900 bucks difference there yeah so so the less of them you have to replace the the more money that should be in your pocket in theory well that's true the the, the other thing too to of course is that i've talked about the value of my land of my total land size my 
only a portion of that's my milking platform, right, Rory? Yep. So you've got to use that other land for some purpose. That's right. Oh, well, that land I want to I want to use for growing heifers. The yep. actual milking platform, I want to conserve as much of that as for for generating milk and yeah. for getting cows back in calf as possible. The nutrient that 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 grows. Yeah. Now, if I have a high replacement rate, even if I'm doing a really good job of growing my heifers and everything is at at calving down at ninety percent of mature cow body weight. Yeah. There's still that extra ten percent there. That's right. So they're generating that growth in the next in the first year of and possibly even a little bit into the second year as well of 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 second lactation, first and second lactation in the herd. So so you feel then that if if you can divert have less of those type of animals in the herd as a proportion of the overall herd, a bit more nutrient is diverted towards milk production instead of growth and maintenance mm, well yeah each cow has got a her nutrient where her, she allocates her nutrients to she's got a, a hierarchy of where, of outputs that those nutrients get allocated to I mean milk production in a dairy cow is going to be pretty high up that hierarchy yep but so is, so is growth much lower down the, the rung is going to be reproduction so yes. if I have a uh, Animals, if, I, if I've got a lot of heifers there and there's less nutrient being left for getting cows and calf, well, I'd prefer to have more mature cows yeah. that are well-grown and, uh, and be generating as much milk as possible. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Um, so, like, I think, um, you know, you've kind of... Uh, so, something that was worth mentioning as well, though, you've, you've highlighted, you've, you've justified a lot of the reasons why you, you do take the approach you do towards um, the amount of heifers that come in. But um, you did say something to me as well uh, earlier that you feel it's better to have a slightly higher rate of replacement at the right time than a spread out calving pattern. And that's, oh, well, they are linked, those two things. Really. That, that's right. So I, you, I will always end up with more heifers than, than that 20% because if I go below that 20%, I... I I reckon the consequence is I'm going to either have less animals, I'm going to have cows in my herd that need to be culled, or I'm going to hang on to late carvers and have a spread out calving pattern. It's, it, I, I want cows to be calving down when the green nice feed is and there. early, yeah, so we can eat as much of that green yeah. feed and turn it into milk yeah, as which possible. Is getting your cost of production as low as it can be as well. A- yeah. Absolutely. So we use those heifers that are calving nice and early to really to really um, control our calving pattern to, to a time that's going to be most profitable for our yeah, farm. Exactly right, yeah. And I think um, uh, building on that then a bit, you know, you're saying that you might use 20% heifers, but, you know, in theory, you know, you could get up to uh, 50% of the herd, total herd, or, or close to it in heifers every year because, you know, if every cow has a calf or, you know, hopefully you know you know 95 percent of them whatever you know half of them will be bulls and half of them will be heifers so you'll end up with with good fertility you'll end up with a lot of excess heifers there. Mm. so this is where things like the export heifer market might come into play or or the amount of extras you keep over what you think your requirement will be or h- how do you approach that or how do you even select which heifers to keep well i guess the uh the art is being able to identify early enough that you've got an excess of heifers, so the because uh, it does cost two thousand dollars or seventeen hundred or whatever figure you use to yeah, to, to rear them. Like, well, you, you might only be getting twelve hundred bucks for a point of calving heifer 
um, to certainly in the last few months anyway that was a reason yeah well the uh, yes last week there was export orders for closing for 1400 bucks GST exclusive for 200 kilo animals I mean it's a fantastic opportunity to to be able to uh, to manage your risk by having extra AI animals, but offloading them at a profit. Yeah. Or even at Warrigal last week, uh, calves of unknown genetics, but were marked the right way for the export job, they were selling at three hundred bucks a yeah. head at, at a week old. So, so yeah, I certainly think it. So there's, it, there's there's definitely profit in those animals, and we should state that it's. It's the 17th of September today, as we sit here, um, you know, for just to put a context on the timing you're talking about. But um, um, there, there's obviously the numbers you've just spoken there about from an export heifer point of view, it would make sense in that scenario to have those extras, um, you know, calves that you can sell for three or four hundred bucks at, what did you say, a week or a few, mm, is, mm. Is, um, is definitely a winner. But if you hang on to those for the sake of either selling them as a pointer carving animal or or even worse in my opinion have a mentor in the herd and culling out a mature cow who's at her peak milk production yeah which for the sake of perhaps marginally improving the genetic quality of your, your herd well i you don't think does that, that stack up financially? i don't think it does stack up financially because it's going to take that animal a couple of lactations to potentially reach the milk production that that that, yeah, that mature exactly, cow yeah, is producing yeah, yeah. anyway. And in terms of the export heifer trade in general, I mean, it is a bit volatile, though, Andrew. And it would, what we would want to caution that it's not oh, something exactly that you don't right. you don't want to be hanging your hat on this as a as a as a, a be all and end all that whether you make a profit or not every year. Nah, look. Yeah, I only have to look a couple of years back to see. I mean, I know that the export trade to China has bounced around a little bit, but and it's but it's it's been around for what twenty years now. But uh, mm. and it's been a good option for people, but that doesn't mean it's going to be around next year. Yeah. So in my mind, if and I, I think know it's I've got an excess of heifers yeah. now, yeah, and I can get three hundred bucks for them, and it's convenient too. Yeah, yeah, those animals need to stay alive too. Um, that's to, right. It costs you money to keep them around for another year, say, mm-hmm. and potentially sell them next year. Okay, you might get an extra few hundred dollars, but are you? Is it true profit, or is it just extra cost that you've added? You know, you know, by missing the opportunity to sell them. And is it always? I'm probably not as um, knowledgeable as you are in this space, but that that figure you quoted for a week old heifers of three hundred dollars is is that typical, or that's on the high end of the scale? I would have thought. Uh, it probably is on the high end of, sca- of the scale, but you know, while that uh, export market is around, which it's been around for a long time now, yeah. the um, they do sell for good money. Well, they tend to t- they, to my knowledge, they've they've tended to be pretty uh, pretty saleable. Yeah. So, I suppose you can use the export heifer market. I suppose you know to to kind of summarise to your advantage if you understand how it's affecting. Your overall business, uh, I think a lot of people use it as a cash flow um, tool, or have it an extra, you know, the you know, use it year in year out as you know, I'll get I'll get my dollars from my export heifers at, at X time or whatever, um, and that'll help me assist with long, alongside the milk check. But it's important to to make sure, as you said earlier, that you know you mentioned about expensive land 
growing grass and around your milking platform. And, and the most profitable use of that typically is always to put it down a cow's throat and convert it into milk. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it obviously depends on what stage your farm's at, uh, individual farmers are at too. Like going back a, uh, a couple of years, our story was completely different. We were trying to have as many grow, yeah. as possible because yeah. we had, a, we had a, a use for those animals once yeah. they did grow too. Yeah. So. so, of course, you weren't really interested in getting rid of excess heifers nah, at all because nah. every heifer was adding to your ability to grow. Um, and do, Is there a link between um, equity growth as well and, and the use of export heifers? Or, you know, if, if you get rid of all your heifers to the export market, are you losing an opportunity in equity growth? I don't even know if that's something Oh, well, look, you, you're selling off an asset. Um, the I certainly can speak from experience in my uh, time as a vet in the Golden Valley with, with numerous droughts up there. Uh, the export market was a, uh, was a card that a lot of farms had to use in, in desperate times to get through the season. Yeah. But the consequence was that we, uh, we would often end up with a lot of clients with extremely poor fertility with milk quality issues as they ended up with an aged herd too. Yeah, because so. they got rid of the they sold heifers that should have been earmarked for their milking herd to replace cows that needed to be replaced at, at the correct time. But those cows were kept too long because the heifers that should have gone in were instead sold to export. Yeah, but from an equity growth point of view, I mean, one of the good things about our industry is if you're in the right area at the right time, it can be... A magnificent way to 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 build wealth, yeah. And that wealth either comes in Gippsland. We've been lucky of land growing in value, but um, but it also for for share farmers too. Cows yeah. rub together to produce more cows yeah, too. Cows, and yeah. if they want to build up their assets and they don't have land, then um, it's one of the yeah, most efficient ways of doing it. If they've it? got a use of, if they can use those heifers, yeah, keep on. Yeah, keep on growing them. If you were to summarise what we spoke about overall, or have any final key messages for people on on, on heifers and how to manage heifers and heifer rearing. For, for my particular operation, I'm pretty much at the the maximum herd size I, I I can be at. So I see rearing extra heifers as a cost to my business. Yeah. Uh, but I never want to drop heifers my replacement rate to a low enough level where it means that I find myself carving at a time of year that doesn't suit my farm yeah. and that I'm not uh, it decreases the amount of pasture that I'm consuming. So you need to have that set amount and you feel that that 20% works well on your farm that yeah. 20% replacement. With, with our fertility and our longevity of our cows I think 20%. And of course with right. poorer fertility you're going to, that's going to go up Like you're not going to have less opportunity to to have export heifers or this the luxury of selling a few extra heifers if your fertility is poor because you need to you need to get more fertile younger uh, animals into the it, herd it, it either means uh replacement rate goes up or we hang on to cows that are less efficient at utilizing that pasture and they have less days of of green pasture available to eat yeah because they're calving late yeah exactly yeah no thank you very much andrew i think there's some really good uh uh, discussion there and some stimulating kind of um, ways of looking at uh, this approach but you know the main thing is like you can't compromise on 
on growth of heifers anyway, regardless of what type of system or what type of way you are trying Let's to approach it. it. Let's see. Thanks to Andrew Perry for that discussion on heifer rearing and management. Remember that you can find all Dairy Pod episodes on SoundCloud or on Apple Podcasts. We'll have more good topics coming up in the weeks ahead, so stay tuned. Until next time, thanks for listening.